Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 5, Episode 8 of Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I'm your host, Professor Jeremy Vollmer, and joining us now, the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, the Ayatollah of Jack and Cola, Bobby Blaze. And that Jack and Cole is going to feel real good on these old cold bones of mine today, Jeremy. <laughs> but I'll tell you what else. I'm going to pull a fork out of my head. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick into this raw chicken and eat this raw chicken Ugh. asshole through, brother. Oh, man. <laughs> that give you an idea of what we're heading to with today's topic. Kind of let you know where I'm coming from with some of this. I went to the doctor a few weeks ago. They found out that my blood pressure isn't being controlled by medication anymore. So I have switched to primarily vegetarian and fish. And I got to tell you, once meat's been out of your system for a few days, watching a dude eat a raw chicken turns your fucking stomach quick. <laughs> it, oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, oh, my gosh. I don't care if you're eating raw fish or raw chicken or what you're doing, man. You see uh, the man we're going to be talking about today doing it. It'll turn your stomach. <laughs> That's right. Well, you might as well tell them who we're talking yep. about today. Abdullah the Butcher, man. The one and Abdullah only. Abdullah the Butcher, yes. The madman of the Sudan. Yes. That's oh, right, man. Yeah. We've been looking forward to this one, too. We've had to put it on hold like twice now. Yep. So. But Hit but we way. had we had some things that we had to deal with because when right. Ron Fuller Welch says he can do your show, you don't push him. <laughs> you know, you take it while That's you right. can get it. And right. Road Warrior Animal died, so we can't skip that. Yeah. yeah. And if you haven't heard the interview of uh, Ron, go back and listen to it. It's a couple episodes back, and a uh, uh, real good time he spent with us talking about some old school wrestling, the territories and that he had owned, and also his uh, most recent uh, novel, uh, Brutus. So I'll give that a plug, a five-star read, available on Amazon or at tnstud.com. So, uh, yeah, we've had to we'll – make we'll make exceptions for certain things, man. <laughs> We sure will. That's right. Well, uh, before we get started talking about Abby, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys we got a new sponsor. Yes. Um, right. And it's a company called Private Internet Access. It's actually a company I've used for seven or eight years now. Um, they're available on all platforms. We're talking Windows, Mac, Android, iOS. Um, I believe that you can get them on like Ubuntu and other like Linux-based kernels as well. They have a no logging policy. It's a v, it's a VPN, so you know it's a a system for your security and to hide your IP address, things like that. They don't keep logs of what you're doing. Your subscription can keep you protected on up to ten devices at the same time. Thirty day money back guarantee. Um, now if you use our link, which is at tinyurl.com/slash/blaze-pia, that's Papa India Alpha. You could get in there for less than three dollars a month, and you get two extra months for free. You get your, uh, you know, thirty day money, thirty day money back guarantee. They have ten thousand servers in over seven countries, twenty four seven customer support, uh, plenty of ways to pay, including Bitcoin, major gift cards. So really, you can anonymize yourself really heavily with this. And now with everybody working from home. I think that's kind of a big deal. I've used it in the past to watch TV shows from Canada, the UK, a bunch of other places. And this week when I was trying to do research on wrestlers, it allowed me to get into Asian servers and things that I normally wouldn't be able to just because we're geo-locked. Well, this lets you get behind that. Um, so again, guys, go check them out. They're being kind enough to sponsor our show. And again, it's a product I've used for almost a decade now. So go to tinyurl.com slash blazepia. All right, man. Welcome yeah. aboard. So happy to have a sponsor, man. Yep. Uh, appreciate the hard work there, Professor. Well, you know. Great deal. It's, it's part of being a producer, you know. <laughs> being willing to sell out. Vince, if you want to put us on the uh, WWE network, just call me. We'll uh, we'll tell you what a great company you run and, and all that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I've got a couple shout-outs, if you don't care. I'm going to sure. get them out of the way uh, since you gave Vince one. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dave Wills, um, you know, it's real. It's still real to me, damn it. Everyone knows him. Yep. Um, I'm sure they do. He's at Still Real Dave. 
uh, spoke to him. We had some private conversation the other day. It's really good to catch up with him. I met him a few years back down at WrestleCade, and uh, I like some of the stuff, a lot of stuff he posts concerning wrestling. He's he's like wrestling super fan, really, man. And uh, if anyone else uh, talks to him, just tell him I did give him a shout out on the program because I don't know if he listens to our program or not. But we had a nice conversation. Uh, this next gentleman, uh, Professor myself, I spoke to, I think uh, via direct messages, um, we spoke, uh, we mentioned uh, CWO Wrestling last week. That's uh, Championship Wrestling from Ontario. With, uh, Davin is the gentleman's name, mm-hmm. real nice gentleman, and uh, he's read, he's reading both my books, I should say, and uh, he's been, you know, really putting our shows over. He's went back and listened to several of the uh, other older podcast of ours, and um, I think you could be sending us some CWO wrestling shirts out here pretty soon. I think. Well, that's you know, cool. here's here's the we'll thing. Sure to... He offered you the shirts, Bobby. What's but, that? But not me. So. Uh, well, <clears> I'll <throat> give you one if I get two. Okay. So. Yeah, you know I like free T-shirts, people. Yeah, well I do too, man. <laughs> I, I, speaking of which, I've got um, I've got one there I have not worn yet from. Um, uh, Stephen P. New Law Offices. Oh, he's got, that's a, a nice looking new, graphic he's got on his. <laughs> yes, and I, I've got one of those. I just haven't worn it yet, but I will. Um, with great pride, I might add. Um, also, uh, the other day I was on a YouTube channel down the lane. Um, it's uh, 321. Uh, shoot, 32. Anyway, the gentleman's name is Paul Laffer. He's got a novel out where he's a bouncer. He's been a DJ. He's been a bodyguard. He's worked in strip clubs up in Niagara Falls. Sounds like my kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's got a book, and it's called Down the Lane. Um, it's, just go to downthelanebook.com. It's available on Amazon. But dude is a pretty straight-up guy. It's a semi. It's based, I don't know how to best tell you, it's based on his life. They're may have been some creative liberties taken, you know, what I was getting at. Yeah. But um, it's gotten a lot of good reviews. It's not been out that long, and he's gotten, oh, I think about 35 reviews. But uh, what it is, it takes the reader on an eye-opening look at the parts of Niagara Falls they don't tell you about their travel brochures. Now, Doc, that's Paul, um, he's a strip club manager, dealing with uh, dreams of getting out of the game. But he's also involved with a biker gang. There's old mafia gangs there. It's just a look into the city's underworld. He gets swept up in some violence and uh, threats and does anything to do, do to stay alive and stay out of prison. And, again, it's got some uh, pretty good uh, reviews, it looks like. And I just want to give him a plug for having me on his um, uh, YouTube channel the other day. And um, I do apologize. That is called 32 something i don't know that youtube channel jeremy I play, uh, and paul apologize for that but i did give your book a plug by god and i got your name on the podcast and i want to say thanks for being a gentleman and have me on your podcast um thank you very much again dave davin and uh paul thanks guys appreciate you listening uh, of course we'll give a shout out to my man larry lawnmower larry um he's always putting our show over i hear back from him being my brother and that always gives me a nice warm feeling man knowing that uh we can communicate to all these people around the world and the thing about uh davin and paul they're from canada we're meeting these canadian friends and that's ironically that's where abdullah the book so meet some nice people from canada jeremy uh all the all the people in canada are nice except maybe abdullah the butcher who is from windsor ontario um, so, you know, um, I, I've been through Canada. I've gone through the western side of Canada. You used to work the eastern side of Canada. I, as Americans, we know that Canadians are like the friendliest, friendliest people in the western hemisphere. Oh, I love them. Yeah. Um, love but then, then you go and watch an Abdul the Butcher match, and you're like, Jesus, this guy's from Canada? Uh, <laughs> but then, then you go and watch an interview with him, and he's just like this mellow dude who doesn't age by the way looks the same now as he did in 1975 <laughs> maybe the scars a little bit deeper but... yeah i think that's about the only difference jesus he's almost a decade older than my mom um but you know he just comes across as this sweet guy telling stories about jamming forks in people's faces it's really <laughs> really quite the thing to adjust to in your head you know yeah so what are you saying? He's the meanest Canadian on the planet. The meanest Canadian on the planet. I think that's a. I think that we can go with that title. Yeah. Okay. Put that at number ten then. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So apparently here, and what was it? his real name was what? Larry Shreve, correct? Yes. And I want to tell you, my notes were a little bit goofy mm-hmm. compared to your excellent notes this um, this week. Um, I put on my notes first time I heard his name on TV. Believe it or not, um, ICW back back in the day, that outlaw promotion ran by the Popos over yeah. Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, about two or three Saturday nights in a row, they came on like 1130 at night. They brought out the real names. They started exposing real names of wrestlers. Uh, and they, they sure did. They said, Abdullah the Butcher, his, his real name is Larry Sheaf, you know. And uh, we all popped because we got to the pool the next day to play ball or swim or whatever we were going to do. You know, a bunch of young teenagers like, we found out a bunch of wrestlers' real names now, you know. Um, of course, it didn't last for long, but um, that's the first time I heard his real name. And, uh, of course, I've never never called him that when I met him, you know, and I'll get to that later on. But um, that that sheet went away pretty quick. Uh, they published those a couple of times, and of course that. Well, yeah, the pop- ICW converted with. Uh, they went ahead and went with uh, the Jarris down there and closed their shop down. You know, after they threatened and threatened and you know invited the guys down to Rupp to fight and uh, Rupp Arena in Lexington yeah. and, and some smaller towns. But anyway, I thought, man, they really went on and started exposing. Uh, real wrestlers' names. That's the first time I heard several of the wrestlers that had real names other than, oh, I thought his name was Abdullah Butcher. You know, well, yeah, for the sake of the show, it will be. Yeah, uh, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, that's Abdullah the Butcher. Uh, yeah. And yeah, Angela Poffo had a real way of taking a shit in everybody else's punch bowl, is what it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did it, though, man. They did yeah. like three Saturdays in a row, like maybe it's a sheet of notebook paper and Laney had come out there and read five or ten guys, and then I guess maybe the Macho Man did. I don't know what the sequence was, but each week they did it. They exposed certain guys' names. Uh, they just tried to get heat any way he could. Yep. You know? And I guess if they thought exposing the business would do it, that the other guys were phony, but they were real, and none of these other guys were coming and fighting them, they were the real deal. But anyway. Yeah. So uh, we did just. first time. Yeah, we did discover that. Um, Young Abdullah the Butcher, little Abdullah the Butcher, was a uh, judo and karate enthusiast, um, and he apparently taught other kids in the neighborhood. He was the youngest of was the youngest of ten. Well, he's one of ten kids in a yeah, severely he was second youngest, I think he said. Yeah, I think he had a, I think he had a sister younger than him. Yeah, uh, just a huge family. Yeah. So uh, that was a little bit about Abby's upbringing in uh, Windsor, Ontario. Yeah, he he hustled. He's always a hustler. He said he he um, shined shoes and he learned to work. Um, <laughs> both times that he tried to learn to work, man, he got caught basically. Or I'm sure there's other times too. One, he talked about selling newspapers and he'd go stand on the corner and start crying and saying, um, you know, he gets an adult over there and you know, papers like ten cent back in the day or what it was, and he'd the guy'd come over and say, what's wrong? What's wrong? He said, if I don't sell all my papers, you know, I. I can't go home, and if I do, my daddy will whoop me. And the guy'd buy a paper from a dollar, and he'd go to a different corner and do this and do that. And and now you have to realize he's a black person, and not that many blacks in Canada at this time, but to set up that story just to tell you. So a few weeks passes, and Abby's father sees him with a known man, and Abby's crying. So he thinks the worst. And he walks up and like, you know, what the hell is going on here? And the old man, he said, what do you want to know for it? He said, I'm his dad. Well, because that time Abby quit crying, he's sitting there shaking, he said. Uh-huh. And he said, uh, the, the white guy turned around and said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, threatening to beat your son uh, for not selling his newspaper. He said his dad just turned and grabbed him by the ear, and he said, I know what's going on here. And the other man called on, he said, okay, and he walked Abby home. And he said, you end up in jail or you ever do drugs and this and that, I'll never come and get you out. And his other hustle was um, he shined shoes. He knew he he said he didn't care how bad the shoes were, um, how nice or how new or whatever. He had shined him shoes the best the best way he could. Tell him though, hey sir, I can't wait till I get rich enough to own me a pair of shoes just like these. And he'd work them out of it. And when the guy would leave, Abby would turn to the other boys and goes. Ah, shitty looking shoes, worst shoes ever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> something like that. Just bury the guy behind his back, but but he, you know, he worked the nickel or the quarter out of the guys for the shoes, telling them how great their shoes were. You know, just just working and learning to work is what he said. Um, he ran a couple other scams, going to houses and getting clothes, asking for clothes for donations um, for his family, and um, he went and opened a store and um, was reselling the clothes. 
Hey. And a couple of ladies come in, saw some things hanging up and recognized it was theirs. And a bunch of other people from the neighborhood came in and started realizing what was going on. Well, it got shut down and Abby gave all the clothes to the Salvation Army. So, uh, you know, he was always trying to do some kind of scam, he said, man, to make money, you know, being poor. Yeah. Uh, can't blame a guy for that because he ended up doing all right for himself through the wrestling business. Oh, no. you If you grow up poor, you learn to fucking hustle real quick. Yeah. 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 That's one thing he said. He, he was a hustler from early early on. Yeah. Uh, sales is something fucking that you got to lean towards because selling's the only thing that anybody can do, regardless of your background, education, whatever, that can make you money. That's selling. Plain and simple. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's my little uh, TED talk right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so once Abby got in, he had his first professional match in 1958. Uh, he wrestled under a couple, couple different names until he created the Abdul the Butcher gimmick, and then that was his gimmick going forward. Yep. Um, and then he realized that he was an attraction. He was he was worked like Andre the Giant. He'd go someplace, hang out for a couple weeks, and then move on. Typically speaking. Um, yeah. You know, well, whether we're talking North America, under, mm-hmm. uh, Abby was a Rolling Stone. Yeah, okay. I'm going to tell you the George Cannon story if you want in just a minute after you finish up here. I was making sure we're on the same page here. Oh, yeah, sorry. I Abby guess I should have. Here, here. Well, just just to clear up, number nine, Abby was a Rolling Stone. Wherever he put his go. wherever he put his curly shoes was his home. All right. But, yeah, he, he, got, <laughs> he, did, go. he did the Caribbean, the Far East, Europe, Africa, Australia, uh, North America. I mean, he, you know, he just went everywhere. And he was a draw everywhere he went. Yeah. And he learned that early on. He, he When he broke in, we'd say 1958, I think this first year he's making some payoffs around $35, $65 here and there, going everywhere, um, was was very, basically broke at the end of the whole deal. So mm-hmm. he went to work for um, Ford, I think it was, uh, GMC or Ford Boulder Company in Detroit, Michigan. And for basically about a year, worked there, I guess. And um, George Cannon, I just come from Abby's lips on an interview on YouTube. George Cannon said, "Hey, uh, they need a they need a wild man out in um, Vancouver, and they want you. They want you to come out there. You know, we've got a spot for you." So uh, Abby said he should have called on after they got in the car because George said, "Well, my car don't work, and can you drive?" And so he drove Abby's car all the way out there. Um, then they got there in the first night, and the promoter said, "Hey, can you you know put this guy over?" Um, let him win, so to say. And Abby said, yeah, sure. And he thought that's kind of strange, too, that, you know, he drove 3,000 miles and just going to do a job the first night. But anyway, he got in a match. He started doing his gimmick. Now, again, he wasn't Abby then. He had a different name. But um, he starts doing his deal, and the referee, someone comes out of ringside and tells the referee, and he starts telling him, going, you're going over. You're going over. You know, you win. You win. And so uh, finally the match is over, and they go back. And he's getting his payoff, and he goes, man, he goes, that was great. You know, you really had those people. Um, I wish I could keep you longer than what I have you scheduled for. And he said, uh, what do you mean? He said, well, I have you scheduled for like the next two and a half weeks. And he goes, no, uh, Mr. Cannon told me you're going to bring me out here for like three months and pay me. And, you know, and he goes, well, he lied to you. And George Cannon was out in the hallway, um, and he brought him in, and this guy confronted him. And they threw his ass out, and they ended up keeping Abby out there. For almost three months, he said, and he said that was his first big break once he got back into wrestling. That's when he knew he was a really attraction right there because he knew then he was a professional that he could tear the house down, that he could make the people come, you know, believe him yeah. in his matches. So, yeah, he's went everywhere from there, Jeremy. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah, he really became a huge draw in places like Puerto Rico and Japan where those are always, those are two markets that were always bloody as hell, I, I guess yeah. is the probably the quickest way to get to that. Um, oh, and I did read this wrong earlier. I thought I'd read something saying that uh, the first PWF heavyweight champion was Abby. No, he lost in a tournament for that okay. where, where Giant Baba picked that up. But um, he all he did eventually take the PWF title off of, of all fucking people, Billy Robinson. Hmm. Um, I couldn't imagine a match between Billy Robinson and Abdullah the Butcher. Yeah, well, you know, I tell you what, he talks about a match he had with uh, Lou Thez up in Montreal, and he said Thez didn't like, you know, the kind of style that he'd done, mm-hmm. but uh, they had a they had a really good match. He said he said it was a real pleasure to work with them. Um, so maybe the same thing with Robinson, you know, just good. getting there and 
just do a little bit different gimmick, maybe not as bloody and maybe not as, I mean, obviously not a lot of moves and stuff for him doing, but to take some, I'm sure they took drop kicks and they could take them down pretty good and stuff. I'm, I'm sure he put together something for, for them to say that and also to put them over against Robinson. Yeah. It's, uh, um, yeah, I just watched the thing the other night where, uh, Robinson as an old man was walking people through how to do the gotch toe hold. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I could just, I could just like see some poor stupid bastard like trying to rob him or something and then ending up face down on the ground with his foot twisted yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so yeah, so Abby got around, I guess was the long and short of that wrestled just about everybody everywhere. And yeah. Um, you know, there were, were particular ones we'll focus on a little bit later here though. Yeah. Sounds good. Want to move on to number eight? Yes. Table manners. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Well, you, we've mentioned the raw chicken already. We mentioned the fork. Um, well, he does own a couple restaurants, uh, Abdullah the Butcher's House of Ribs and Chinese Food. Now, I know you had that in Atlanta. Um, Appar- and I think you said he had one in Japan as yeah, well. Yeah, apparently right? he had one in Japan and one in Atlanta. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what kind of table manners he had. Okay. <laughs> this is one of the first times I met him. Uh, I met him on a big time championship wrestling show up in Ohio on a Bobby Fortin show. We had a three day loop and the, uh, the main event each night was going to be Abdullah, the butcher versus cactus Jack. And he was still cactus Jack hadn't went to New York yet or anything. Uh, date being probably around, you know, 94, 95, we'll say, um, where we got three towns lined up, uh, in Kentucky. Well, one's in Kentucky, Northern part of Kentucky and, and two over in Ohio, the Southern part of Ohio. And so the first night in, um, uh, Bobby Fulton's coming into the locker room and, you know, he's, he's at, he's like, Hey guys, you know, do this, do that. This school, we're this, we're this high school gym. And he said, the principal said, you can't do this. The principal said, you can't do that to, to a couple of the guys, Roy Bass and, and Doug Vines and, Maybe myself was all called Bobby the principal. Hell, he's worse than a fucking principal. We're here after school on a Friday or something in detention. But he's telling Abby, whatever you do, you know, like, look, the gimmick tables are all the way on the far end. That's where that's where Donna's at. And that's his wife at the time. He said, that's where Donna's at. That's where all the stuff's at. Stay away from that in the gym. Whatever you do, stay out of that in away from the gym, Abby. And as <laughs> soon as Bobby hits to the top of the stairs to exit the, the dressing room, Abby's sitting there and he goes, <laughs> Guess where I'm going first? <laughs> you boys might want to watch this. But also, I got introduced that night to the Abby stick. And I didn't even tell Jeremy this. Abby had a stick. And when I got back to Smoky Mountain, Candido asked me, he said, hey, did you see the Abby stick? And I said, yeah, I sure did. So Abby had um, this stick, and I'm sure you've seen them now that have like that claw on them that you can pick up socks and <laughs> when you can't, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. older people can't. Well, he had one like a shoehorn. For his boot, he had one that would grab the grab the heel of the boot, and his boots, even though they had the lace on them, they actually had a zip up on the side, right? Yeah. But he had one of those uh, claw things to grab the back of the boot, and then he had a shoehorn that he could slip down in there to, so he could be sitting pretty much straight up and not have to bend too much to get his boots on and then use that claw to zip his pants up. And then if someone was kind enough to him, he had one of these big rubber, those rubber belts that go around your gut for like sweating, you know, uh-huh. he, he had one of those that must've been about the length of a football field, <laughs> Un- unrolled it and wrapped it around. Then he like had a, he said a couple guys were holding it, goes, pull it as tight as you can, pull it as tight as you can, you know? So he had that big rubber gimmick one underneath those karate pants, you know, holding his, holding the stuff in, you know, but just that Abby stick, that's funny. Oh, and then man. table manners, soon as soon as they started announcing who the next match was, well, Cactus, Cactus Jack was coming out of a corner locker room, like from the left, veering across the, to the ring, kind of catty corner. Well, Abby had already been up to the top of the stairs, so he, he could time it to where he could get out there. Because this is a pretty good little distance uh, from the locker room to the, to the gym floor and then up those stairs. And so... <laughs> Cactus got almost to the step by the time Abby done a little trot, if you will. If you see any of his videos, you'll see him do the run. He gets him and he hits Cactus from the side. They kind of trip over the stairs there, but that's not it because they they automatically know to start fighting, of course. And Abby is just pushing him and pushing him, pushing him right to when they get up to the far end of the uh, the 
building at the high school and there's about three or four tables set up in like a U, like one on each side and two down the middle, nothing but t-shirts and gimmicks and stuff. On it. And sure enough, man, he's pushing Cactus Jack through one of those tables. Cactus ain't going to have any of that. He picks up a table and throws it over on Abby. There's t-shirts and gimmicks and everything everywhere. And there's Bobby Fulton running over there. <laughs> get in the ring! Get in the ring! <laughs> and there's a, we assumed to be the principal is an older man, you know, that looked like a typical high school principal going, you told, he's yelling at Bob, you told me they wouldn't fight outside the ring. <laughs> and then there's the boys, we're looking over, there's the baby faces on one side laughing their asses off, and we're on our side laughing our asses off on the heel side, you oh. know. So that's their table manners and then the, pretty much the next couple of nights were pretty much the same except for the second night i told you off the air professor they had uh one part of the gym you know selling concession stands so they block off um a hallway that goes into the main school by one of those big metal steel cages everyone's seen it it has a little master lock down on its own wheels and they can they can just section off that part of the high school well needless to say cactus jack has soda machines on the other side of it um cactus jack and 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 abby Busted that big ass thing down, which wasn't too hard for them. I mean, they're not, right. they're not high school, you know, they're grown ass men fighting, and uh, they're over there near the pop machines. And once again, there's Bobby Fulton going, Told you to get away, don't get away from the ring, get in the ring, you know. And each night, um, I'm pretty sure they split it, but uh, if I recall correctly, they, they worked their way back to the ring, and then Cactus would roll through and stop in the middle, and Abby would be trying to come through. And of course, it'd be a DQ or Abby, uh, because you know Cactus got back to the ring in time by the ten count or whatever it was. But anyway, there's just some funny table manners, man. Um, just a couple funny stories about Abdul the Butcher. Um, I remember the first time I saw him in a magazine eating a chicken. That Ugh. that just freaked me out. I know Jeremy's going to say something yeah. about that, but I don't know how old I was, but I remember it was a magazine. You know, there's a picture, and there's Abdullah, and it's he's got a raw chicken, and and he's eating, and I I'm probably in eighth grade, I don't know how old I'm, you know, 13, 14, and I'm just like, oh my god, I'm now sitting there believing this guy's eating a raw chicken. I mean, he's biting into it and stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not staged. It doesn't look staged to me. It looks like a real damn picture of Abby eating a raw chicken. And um, I, I smart enough to know this. That's not what you're supposed to do. You have to cook a chicken first. You know? Oh, goddamn so, right you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, salmonella uh, is no joke. No, 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 no. Um, uh, oh, just <laughs> you know. So there were there are a couple things. So Abby, for me, when I was growing up, you know, he was more like a rumor or a legend, like fucking Bigfoot. You know, you saw him in the magazines. You saw photographs of mm -hmm. him. Um, you didn't really see him like, you know, show up on shows real often. Like occasionally you'd see him like in Texas or something. Um, but I had it in my head for a period of time there. Cause I was just learning about people like Edie Amin and shit. You know, I thought Abby was a fucking cannibal. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> dude, I mean, dude ate raw chicken. He came out with a fucking fork. And then yeah. when the other dude started bleeding, he'd start licking the blood off his hands. Just <sighs> all that. You know, okay, you know, and I guess we should probably say this just so we don't seem like we're blowing over it. Uh, it did turn out later that Abby had exposed people to the possibility of hepatitis at the very least because of his antics. Uh, so that does need to be brought up. Uh, it is not safe to play with other people's blood, <laughs> period. But I had it in my head for at least a period of time as a, as a young teen that uh, Abdullah the Butcher was a cannibal. You know, I mean, now I knew that, you know, odds are he wasn't really a cannibal, but, <laughs> but anybody that's licking human blood off their fingers and eating a raw chicken, you can't fucking yeah. trust, you know, coming out with a this, fork. Let me throw this out there at you. Yeah. So, something my brother told me a couple of years ago and it still lasts. And I think here's a good place to say it. Uh, wasn't wrestling better when we were Mark's. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you believe he's a cannibal, you know, me knowing you're not supposed to eat raw chicken, mm -hmm. you know, um, just, it was, it's just, it was just better sometimes to remember those moments. And it's better than we as Mark's Bob's what he told me one time. I said, I think you're right. No, it's absolutely right. Think about this. <laughs> we're fans, man. We're fans. You know? When's the last time somebody in the stand tried to stab the heel with a real knife? <laughs> I mean, it's, it, I yeah. don't, I don't want to say people should be assaulting fucking wrestlers, no. but I'm saying there was passion in the fans yes. when we thought it was, oh, yeah. you know, when we thought it was 100% real. Oh, absolutely. And, man. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I don't know how much they can do it, but it's kind of up to each individual wrestler 
to decide how realistically they want to work and how realistic they want to seem. Cause you know, that's, that's all they can do. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Jeremy, why don't you do us a favor? Drop a spot for our anchor spot here with that great voice of yours. Oh, okay. I am more than happy to talk about anchor. All right. And, uh, so that's about our host there at anchor.fm. All right, man. They've been good to us so far. They've been really good to us. I've been pretty happy with them. So yeah, I mean, if you guys are out there thinking about changing hosts or starting a podcast and where to put it, give a serious look to Anchor because not only will it, it'll save you money, but you might actually be able to start making a few bucks right off the bat too, which is a hell of a big difference because, you know, like I was just saying, I had spent 20 bucks a month minimum on every show I had ever hosted. And, uh, you know, that adds up pretty damn quick. Good deal. Yeah. Good deal. Number seven, scars. Now, this is yours. <laughs> scars that can that you can smuggle po- poker chips in. So, apparently, Mick Foley says that you could he could put a poker chip in those scars on his forehead. Like, I, I don't know how deep, but, like, he could hold one there, you know, or hold yeah. some there with those scars. I mean, um, you know, so we were... I watched a bunch of Abby matches Friday with my son, Micah. And we were talking about the scars on his forehead. I was like, that makes Dusty Rhodes' forehead look as smooth as a baby's ass. You know that? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that dude has just got, Abdul the Butcher has just got some scar tissue on his melon, man. Um, I, I don't even know how bad blade jobs have to be to do that to yourself. I do know we watched one match with uh, Bruiser Brody where the, the camera got too close and you see Brody mm-hmm. undo his tape, pop some, pop some razors out, zip him and then tape it back up. And a yeah. dude was just wide open too. I think that was from Puerto Rico. I saw that yeah. one. Yeah. The absolutely. other one and what Abby talked about doing too, um, he fought Gene Kaniski and they asked him to do a hard way. Mm-hmm. And he said, Sure. And uh, Abby had already developed, you know, some of that scar tissue, but this is going way back, you know, uh, early on in his career, I should say. But he, the way he would do it, a lot of times, he would also hit the ring post with his head. He would he would do that Oof. without having to do a gimmick. He would hard way himself with the uh, the uh, uh, screw or the bolt on the edge of a God ring. Damn. So he said Kaniski asked him to go hard way, had him in a headlock up over top of him, swung down and hit him, and he said. Oh shit! It hurt. He said, but nothing come out. And he said, Kaniski drew back again and hit him in the head again. And he said same thing. He said I was like getting dizzy because he legitly hit me in the head, but nothing came out. And he said he saw him saw crossed eyes. I saw his arm go back, and he he put his hand up and said, "Don't hit me again." <laughs> and he said I grabbed his wrist and we both started walking with me leading. He says soon I got close enough, I just kept his hand where it was at and I ran myself into the post and got juice right away. Of course, mm-hmm. that was his technique, you know, one of his techniques. So uh, yeah, if all those grooves in his head, some of them via scars, some of or scars via uh, blade jobs, uh, fork jobs, spoon jobs. Um, Maybe boot jobs, you know, uh, hard way, you know, down on the ground, someone kicking the boot. Uh, the ring, the ring um, apron job that he would do on a selfie, he said. Um, and hard to tell him what else. Maybe a Sheik's pencil, I don't know, you know, digging in his head. Uh, Sheik might have used a nail one time down his head. Um, I, I, mean, I don't know how many different ways you think he got juice on his head, you know, to get them kind of scars. Drive a tractor <clears throat> down through there, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, and like you're saying there, some of those scars were so wide and so deep that that was not a razor blade. That was, yeah, like you know, smack, that's smacking your face into something with a hard edge. Yeah, um, yeah. like a chisel, you know, <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those maybe those... Ron Wright, maybe Ron Wright had his chisel out <laughs> using. I don't know. He looked, maybe let Abby borrow chisel. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, that is just those scars were nasty or are nasty. He still got yeah. them. Well, that uh, comes in at number seven on our list of yeah. reasons to like, or it might be to dislike. I don't know. I, I don't, I didn't even know what the title, this one, we're just calling the episode Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, pretty much. We've yeah. got a blueprint here, man. I think he was getting ready to talk about this. Let's jump down to it. Yeah. Uh, his feud with Brody. Uh, and there's a lot of people we could talk about and we'll be talking about in the future. Some of these feuds, but uh, we'll put number six as his feud with Brody. And I'll tell you, uh, I saw the same match that you're talking about, Jeremy. So go ahead. You tell your story. Oh. I was by myself watching it and caught it. 
Yeah, well, so we were we were watching this match, and it's one out of Puerto Rico, and it, actually it's really cool because Brody hits the ring, and what they're doing is I uh, the dressing rooms are downstairs underneath the yeah. place, and so they come up a stairway to come out. So Brody comes up to the top, and if anybody hasn't seen where they used to do these shows in Puerto Rico, there's a cyclone fence basically between the fans and the wrestling ring. And the cops escort the wrestlers out of the dressing room. So you know shit got nasty in this place. You know, there was probably a, a handful of really nasty riots is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, so Brody comes up, hits the ring, does his stomping around, and then he, he starts shooting out the huss at the crowd, and the crowd answers back. It was pretty fucking cool to watch that. And then Abdullah comes out, and he just looks like a murderous psychopath as, <laughs> as he's headed to the ring, just like stalking another human being. And this shit just goes bonkers almost from the word get-go. You can't call it a wrestling match. And Mike, it was asked me, he's like, why, why is there a ref? Why, what is this shit? You know, I'm yeah, like, you know, that's one I watched that I'm agreeing with you. You couldn't call that a wrestling match. No, there is no, yeah, you could not call I had call that it. same thought about midway through it when he's like dragging him over a rail over towards the locker area or something. I'm like, and one of the Puerto Rican police are there and security or whatever. I'm like, why, how is this even a fucking wrestling match? Yeah. <laughs> it's a fight. It's a fight, really. Yeah. And when Abby had this, um, had this way of, because he was a, such a big man that he'd do the fork spot and then he'd use his body to hide the fork from the ref. And he's got Brody's hair wrapped around one of the ring ropes and he's jabbing him and then putting, you know, putting the fork behind his body so the ref can't see it. And it was just kind of nasty. And that's when we decided this was probably a non-official match, a non-sanctioned lights out match. <laughs> um, but you know, this is the match. You just see, you see Brody just zip him across the forehead. But and these guys feuded all over the place. Now, before we get into more of that, I do want to say we got to the end of this match, and Micah had just been watching the Dark Side of the Rings like this last week, and he looks because he's he's getting over a hernia surgery. And he looks at me and he goes, "To be frank, that was a goodish match." <laughs> all right that's good that's good i read that man I, was, I i'm that's really good tell him i put that over that's pretty good yeah well he'll, <laughs> he'll hear this uh next week i'm sure so okay. yeah good one micah that's pretty damn good to be frank that match was pretty goodish <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah that's the match i, I just, uh, you can see him blading pretty easy on that one there yeah man. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's as clear as day. They have a camera right on it. Yeah. And yeah. to be fair, in a match like that, you could just look at that and go, yeah, he he meant to bring out razor blades and cut them. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, that's just how shit was going, that there was nothing. That was spoiled. No kayfabe, nothing, because you're just like, yeah, Brody came prepared. He's got razor blades in his fingers ready to go. Yep. And uh, she, uh, Abby refers to that, too, several times. Um he, he'll put them razor blades on his fingers too, you know, going out through there just for protection from other people. He said, mm -hmm. um, he's, so I got my shit with me, you know, is what he'll say. Uh, Cause a couple people questioned on that. So in addition to uh, the blade, he's probably going to be gigging himself with, or someone else, as you mentioned to or alluded to earlier, uh, he's got them all over, excuse me, got them all over his fingers, man. He has cut his way through people if he needed to. Oh yeah. Uh, just, you know, swinging his arms. Uh, of course, you know, most of the time when he went out to the audience, the audience did run. Mm -hmm. And, uh, this made sense to me. Um, the, the person doing the interview, this, he said, has you ever ran into someone just stopped running and turned to look like a confrontation? And Abby said it happened all the time. You just didn't see it because he said, I'm a professional. And he said, what I would do, I would stop and I look up in the air and point somewhere else and start going another direction. He said, I wouldn't confront him. He goes, I didn't need lawsuits. He said, if I'd have ran into someone or accidentally hit him, I've got a lawsuit. Yep. And he said, so I would stop. And the person would freak out because they're expecting him to come and run over him. And, but, they're, but they're like trying to man up to him, you know. So he said to avoid that confrontation, uh, so he wouldn't have lawsuits or be in an actual shoot fighter, this and that. He would stop and do his gimmick where he'd stare off in space and then point or something, then start heading another direction. And the person said every time they was just like, it's like 
you motherfucked me, you know? <laughs> yeah. I thought I had you. You know, I thought he'd run over me. I thought I'd be fighting him. I showed him I wasn't scared, and he went the other direction. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, good psychology, too, really, and a good way to avoid, you know, uh, jail time or lawsuit or anything like that. I thought that was pretty cool. But he said he'd he said he done it numerous times that someone would do that, like a challenge, but they would he just he'd look up and stare and freak him out so bad that they just, you know, oh, he went another direction. They you, didn't bother. You, I mean, if you were a fan in the stands and Ab- Abdullah the fucking butcher is coming at you, you got to grab yourself by the fucking balls to fucking face that down. You got to really oh, yeah. feel like there's no fucking where else for you to go. So you're gonna have to stand there. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, it's funny. You watch these interviews, and you know, I'm a professional. We're professional yeah. entertainers. That's why this, this, and that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. And, you know, I got we're going to talk about something else that I'm going to refer to again, a couple numbers down this list. But, um, yeah, Brody and Abby's matches were just uh, the match doesn't even cover them, especially the one we're talking about in specific. They yeah. fought all over, all you know, repeatedly throughout Puerto Rico, Texas, Japan, Japan. They fought each other there as well. Right. Yeah. Yes. And we didn't put this in here, uh, but you could also. Uh, Carlos Colon, him and yep. Carlos in Puerto Rico. That could there's several of those out there. We just didn't put it on a list out there as a as a top ten moment. But again, one of those fights they fought all over the Caribbean. I'm sure you know they, oh, yeah. they took that fight uh, all through Puerto Rico and stuff. I mean, so um, look at Carlos Colon's forehead. Yeah, there you go. You know, yeah, yeah. All so right. that was pretty cool. Um, number four. I only have a little bit to say about this, and because we're going to reference part of it again, but. Number four is going to be versus the Sheik. Yes, the Sheik. Well, I tell you, the um, from my understanding, from the interview I watched and listened to and read, I, I know they had a feud going on for years and years and years. I think they started off with a little bit of, um, won't say heat, but the way they did it, um, Abby was standing outside of uh, the arena, and the Sheik saw him, sends uh, Bobo Bazil over. Bobo goes over. And um, Abby K. Faves him. He starts like he can't speak, uh, throw some foreign language out at him, right? Mm-hmm. He goes back about 15 feet away, and Bobo pretty much trying to explain to, to the Sheik, he don't speak English. I don't think he understands me. So Sheik walked over to him, and he goes, um, hello, Mr. Sheik. I'm Larry Shiv. <laughs> and starts the conversation from there. And so anyway, um, they get to a, he gets on to the show, start doing some wrestling. But on the shows that Abby's on, his matches are getting over better than the Sheik. Uh, you know, he's 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 being a professional, but he's, he he knows what he can do and what he can't do at this point. Well, sometime during this time. Uh, so he's only making fifteen dollars here. Like instead of going to Kobo or or wherever to like Detroit to the bigger arena, he might be in Akron, Ohio, uh, uh, Toledo, Ohio, whatever, and he get a sixty-five dollar payoff, a twenty-five dollar payoff here and there. Um, it, it wasn't cutting it, and he was getting kind of hot about it. But uh, sometime during that time frame, Bobo Bazil and Sheik was in it, and uh, Sheik got hurt. So they took Abby up. So I guess would be your A card or whatever. He started wrestling Bobo on a main card and started making some money. And uh, so what he did was um, Bobo went to pin him one night and he was supposed to kick out. He held Bobo on top of him. One, two, three. So Bobo got the belt, which meant he had to go back and go to all the towns. But this time Abby could go with them. So now they would have the Sheik and Bobo and Abby all on the same cards. So he said that's just, you know, another thing he thought would work, and it it actually turned out in his favor. And, of course, they took their feud. Like you said, it was that they wrestled in Puerto Rico and Japan. Uh, They were huge in Japan wrestling each other. And, of course, they fought all over the United States, too, following one another around, you know, from Detroit to Cleveland to to God knows where, you know, um, to make that work. So um, they both learned to – they knew how to make money, draw money, if you will, you know, with their gimmicks. Yeah. Um, so the Sheik was known, I mean, just to kind of give you a sense of where this all fits in is the Sheik is basically the, one of the originators of what would become hardcore wrestling. Yeah. And, and the rumors on him was that he had, that he had razors taped to his fingers, but they were exposed. That way, if he grabbed you, you were getting yeah. cut. And, um, 
you know, Sabu's uncle, and Sabu's kind of yes. not as hardcore as his uncle was. Now, according to Abby, he mm-hmm. said that he started hardcore because Sheik didn't take as far as he did with the gashes in the head and all that. So he he's doing his shoot interview, but he's making it about half work, half shoot. You know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think I think there was that respect there, but I think he almost where where it was his interview, he was letting the people know, and this was about ten year old interview, by the way, uh, that um you know hey I was the one that done that, you know, not Sheik. Sheik Sheik did a little bits, but I did a big bits, you know, yeah. kind of thing. That, well, that was a funny, you know, to me because that's part of them making money. Of yeah. like, well, you know, you think he's doing it, come and see me, you know, and, and vice versa. Oh, so. yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too. It's, I mean, look, you can't have just one hardcore wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's okay. there's going to have to be at least two of you to, to do yeah. it, you know. Um, but, yeah, yeah. so the, their matches were kind of nasty. And I'll bring this up again when talking about something in particular a little yeah. bit later. We're going to go on to the next one, Jeremy, if you on the thing here. Um, the Terry Funk on the notes. They had a feud with Terry Funk. Oh, Look that's back right. Up. I skipped one, Bobby. Sorry that's about okay. that. That's okay. No, I just might, I'll make sure we get that in there yeah. so we know because you know, I know where we're going after this. Yeah. But I do, that was an, we mentioned Carlos Colon. That wasn't going to be a top ten and some of the other one. But one of them that would be top ten would be Terry Funk um, with, with Abdul the Butcher. Yeah. One of the hottest feuds in Japan ever. Yeah. And... Terry Funk claims that one of these or one of these matches with Abby was one of the top three greatest matches of his entire career. Man, that's incredible. Think yeah. of how many matches he's had since 1966 until here just just a few years ago, you know, and uh, Funker saying that, you know, one of my top three matches in the world was with Abdullah the Butcher. Yeah. That had a, I went to find that one. <laughs> oh, is, is Terry Funk retired right now? Well, I never count him down enough, man. I wonder when he'll come out this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, no, um, all kidding aside. But, yeah, Funk puts that over as one of his, you know, best matches. So we've put that in here as well. Um, of course, those three, uh, uh, when I say those three, I meant, I should say four, actually. I was going to say Dory and Terry mm-hmm. and Abby. But also you can throw in um, uh, Sheik went, too. All them guys uh, went to Japan so many times. Uh on my notes from Abdullah, I kind of done it in chronological order. He first went to Japan and um, he followed Jim Barnett. For, he went to Australia. He went to Australia uh, and was going to stay two months and up staying two years. Then he went to Atlanta in 75 and stayed there for a couple of years. But while he was in Atlanta, um, he got to go to Japan in 1975. That was his first time going over there. And he went for another 40 years. He went over there for four decades, wow. from 1975 to what? That'd be 2005 or whatever. Is that right? Uh, 2015, uh, right about, 2015. right? Okay, yeah. 2015. That uh, for those 40 years, he got to go to uh, got to go to Japan. So, and just thrown in that group there. The Funks were there for over 30 years. Um, Sheik, hard telling how many. Uh, uh, Brody and Hanson and those guys, you know, they would have kept on going too. I mean, well, Hanson ended up going, I think he ended up having a 28 year career there. So, you know, just to kind of show you the longevity of drawing and making money that, you know, 40 years later, our uh, oh, yeah. Abdullah Butcher was still going to Japan and drawing money for someone, you know. Yeah, look how long uh, Anoki and Baba hung in. I mean, you could have a long career in Japan if you work it yeah. right. Yep. Wow. Well, on to number three here. How about that? I'll let you take over. Yeah, so he was a man of few words, but many managers. Um, his gimmick required that he didn't speak because he was always pretending to not speak English and only a foreign language. So because of this, he always had a manager as a handler to speak for him, which probably made him even more terrifying. Yeah. Uh, Gary Hart, Paul Jones... Eddie Creechman, Black Baron, The Grand Wizard, J.J. Dillon, Damian Kane, Larry Sharp, Oliver Humperdinck, George Cannon, Bearcat Wright, Big Bad John, Gentleman Jim Holiday, Rock Hunter. A few of these names I do not know, so they're they're going to be uh, region-specific, I'm sure. Yeah, some of them are. But some of those names in there are absolute legends as far as like management or you know roles yeah. go. And everybody knows how I feel about Gary Hart. And for yeah. me, Paul Jones and J.J. Dillon aren't too far from that. Well, and we're going to be looking at this real soon. Um, uh, if you look it up, there's a, 
Gary Hart brings him into, I think it's into Atlanta or to Texas one. And he's more like a handler than a manager. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go back and look at that because I know it's on YouTube. And, it, and it's really cool, man, because Abby just comes in and demolishes someone. And I think they hang someone. Um, and Gary Hart's just there talking the interview like it's not affecting him at all that his guy, his handler, he's either hanging him or, or strangling him, you know, in the background of the rope. But that's like the first night in. Oh, that's yeah. That's how you get over, you know. That's how he got over. I mean, no doubt Abby would have got over on his own, but he come in and there's Paul, or excuse me, there's Gary Hart as his handler, and he can't control his own man. But also Gary Hart showing no remorse for his man back here choking his guy to death while he's just calmly talking, you know, into the microphone of what, destruction you know abdullah butcher is going to bring to this territory uh check that out i i, I meant to check it out prior to this one uh it's a pretty good little clip though just a couple minute clip but uh, like you said you got your um uh, paul jones on there jj Dillon, um humperdink on there uh, i mentioned george cannon earlier he did early on uh cannon did help him until like i said he got got screwed out there in, in uh seattle and vancouver area uh just kind of yeah. got snowed no job, if you will, but which that does happen in this build, business from time to time. But false promises, whatever. But nonetheless, I'm sure they, when he got back to Detroit, worked, you know, worked around each other, had to be around each other, whatever. But yeah, um, man, uh, when you look at these names, uh, like I said, some are probably regional, some of them are national, international. Um, that's just a good gimmick, though, that he didn't have to talk. Mm -hmm. um, they thought he was a savage. You know, eating raw chickens, uh, just the whole thing, and 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 it, not just a manager, but a handler. I really like that aspect of it because that's that's the kind of, and then they can't really control them. That's the thing. That's that's pretty cool. That makes them that much more scarier, man. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Just a complete uh, wild man that you know. Yeah, wild by, man from Sudan. <laughs> yeah, by sheer luck alone, has he not killed you? You know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, I mean Gary, you know Gary Hart. He's one of those guys that you know, all his guys were roughneck badasses, and he could just stand there and talk shit while they fuck shit up, basically. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. you got anything to add to that? No, not really. Um, I see where the show's going here. We're just um, kind of winding it down here. We're up to number two. Yep, and um. Go ahead and introduce it here. <laughs> so number two, I, I don't even know why I went with this as the t as the title for this one, but is it real or is it Memorex? And <laughs> the reason I'm bringing this up is that, you know, so Mike and I were watching all these matches Friday night, okay? And um, we just get done watching uh, Abby just stab the fuck out of the sheik with a fork. I mean, there there's no, there is no gimmicking at all. He is stabbing this guy in the arm. Yeah. And you see the Sheik's arm turn purple and then start bleeding and get swollen. And then as we're rolling through, letting it just kind of keep playing, next thing you know, we've got an interview with Abby there. And it yeah. looks fairly recent, like maybe the last five or ten years, maybe. And it's him using a spoon showing how you could use a fork and not hurt the guy. And he's showing these different ways how you can hit it at a flat angle and then come up in a way. And it looks like you gouged him, but you didn't. Yeah. And I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm like, bull fucking shit, man. I just watched you stab that fucking guy yeah. repeatedly in the fucking arm. In fact, the 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 footage I saw, he's got, they're in Japan, if I'm not mistaken, and Sheik's arm is basically like hang, just barely hanging off his body because he keeps throwing it out at him. Mm -hmm. being limp and Abby's just grabbing it and it's gouging the fuck out of him. He puts it over the rail and gouges it, puts it up on a ring apron and gouges it and stuff. You know, uh, when you put, is it real? Or is it Memrex? I just kept thinking on that. There was, uh, you know, you put the Memrex tape in there and the glass shatters. And so I was thinking about that glass, you mm -hmm. know, and, and Abby just stabbing him with that fork into his arm, like jagged glass, basically, because they're both bleeding like stuck. Oh off. Yeah. But um, I've also seen that video now, not recently, it, and I'm. But it is. I think the one you're referring to is only a couple years old, maybe maybe five, we'll say, okay. where he's doing the spoon gimmick. Yeah. And he's showing it, and I'm and you're sitting there going, and what it is, I think he's doing it to where he didn't cause anyone to bleed, is what he's trying to say. Yeah. Um, and he's got that spoon. He's got the guy in a headlock, just just showing him. 
um, how you can gimmick it. Well, yeah, you can, you know that, mm-hmm. but by God, he didn't. You That's know? yeah. Uh, that was for, like you said, is it real? Is it Memorex? It's fucking real. Yeah. There, <laughs> I mean, with him, with him stabbing him, I mean, look, I mean, I've seen other ones where you could tell he was getting a little, little loosey goosey with the tip of the, the tip of the fork. Like it was probably yeah. bent a little bit or something. But I mean, as far as just that match goes, and I'll watch more again later and see if I, you know, how many I can spot where he's just out and out. But he is stabbing the sheik in the arm. I mean, just <laughs> out and out, just stabbing him. And yeah. the way you can tell, like when I was a kid, I remember I got in a got in a little bit of a scuffle with another kid, barely got hit in the face, ended up with a black eye. Right. That's when I realized wrestling was mostly bullshit because <laughs> <laughs> you're watching these guys just slug the fuck out of each other. Nobody's ever got a fat lip or a crooked nose, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Well, so you're watching Abby stab dude's arm and it changes color. It swells <laughs> and then it starts to bleed exactly like you would do if you got pierced by a dull object. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. All right. Well, before we hit number one, Jeremy, I'm going to put a little plug in for my books out there. Absolutely. We're going to do this. Um, guys, the professor's got a site set up, a little, little site you can go to. If you go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1, you can get a copy of my book, Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost Will Travel. Um, if you go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook2, you can go to I Kicked Out on Two, The Educational Wrestler. Both of those books are available on Amazon. There's several ebooks on there also. Help yourself, if you, especially if you enjoy reading some smut. Or mm-hmm. I got a prison story in there, and I've got a um, a Christmas story in there. So a little diversity is what I'm trying to do on my my genre selection on my Amazon page. But um, what we're doing is the show gets a little bit of a kickback uh, if you go through those two sites, um, two links. And it's not a lot. It really isn't. But what we're doing, we're building up slowly. You know, we picked up an advertiser this week. Uh, we're working on Anchor. And with my books, we hope to, you know, just make a few sales. So, again, uh, with Christmas times coming up, folks, uh, 2020 is coming to an end, we hope. Uh, but uh, if you want to get a copy of Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boostful Travel, just go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. They'll take you right to it. And then if you want to get I Kicked Out on 2, The Educational Wrestler, just go to tinyurl.com, blazebook2, and we appreciate it very much, man. Um, and just uh, look around over there on Amazon and uh, maybe find your find another book. You know, we had talked about some other books earlier in this program, and every every show we generally bring up a book that one of the wrestlers or, um, has authored or been involved in. So uh, this week we didn't have any. Uh, we had a guest book, Down the Lane, by uh, Paul Laffertry. But um, we're just going to plug these two books here and head into number one. How's that? That sounds good to me. And, guys, I did start a Pinterest board that is going to be our book club board. Problem is I don't like the address it gave it, so I may change it. So I'm not going to give it out this week. Um, But hopefully by next week I'll have all my shit ironed out and be ready to give that out. And if anyone else would like to add to that, um, I know that um, the guys at uh, Wide Men, one of them, Nate, sent me a his book uh, bookshelf, a picture of his bookshelf. And I think I am vacated sent um, um, something also. Uh, what book was it? I'm trying to think. Uh, well, uh, I'm drawing a blank. No, the Grappler. The Grappler. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, he, I think that's who mentioned that one. Um, so, anyway, if anyone wants to send some, just how about this? I'm at Bobby Blaze 744 on Twitter. Jeremy's at the Geekest Cast on Twitter, or better yet, send it to Bell to Bell Podcast, um, Bell to Bell Blaze Podcast on Twitter, and uh, send some books there, just pictures of it that you have, and that way Jeremy can take them and tag them to the is that Pinterest. Is that what you said? Yeah, I'm putting those up okay. on Pinterest. That way, each of us to get together. We we got a really good group of guys we know, and probably some girls too, um, that are just avid readers, and we can uh, you know. Look at the books that we are sharing or have read and give each other personal recommendations as well and help each other out that way, too. Yeah, so, absolutely. Okay. Um, also, and I, I can't remember, Bobby, if I've told you this yet or not, um, I am in the process of starting a new YouTube page. i got to see if there's any way to recover the old videos. I don't know yeah. if we're going to be able to or not. Um, yeah. But hopefully here pretty soon I can start producing something. It's not going to be up to the up to the standards that Tex was doing. Yeah. But with, but with that said, if there's anyone out there with some YouTube experience, 
uh, Jeremy and myself probably have a couple questions for you um, as to some of those videos that may be lost due to the recent passing of text uh, on our uh, Bell to Bell Blaze uh, YouTube channel. So we're going to try to salvage those or get those some way. If not, we'll start from scratch. So uh, if anyone's out there, if that kind of uh, knowledge hit us up, let us know, you know, what time it is, and we'll, we'll try to work something out with you, okay? Yep. Before that, though, we're not even done with the show. we got to go to number one. I've uh, had a good time with Abdullah the Butcher, and it's his legend and legacy. That's what we're going to put at number one. Yeah, so there's there's a couple things here, and I touched on it a little bit earlier. Abdullah the Butcher was one of those guys that, for me at least, where, you know, here in California, you heard about, you saw in magazines, you occasionally saw him show up somewhere, but, you know, you thought there was this mad, savage cannibal who just got, like, unleashed on wrestling companies occasionally and just caused damage. Um so that was kind of my impression of him. So, like I said, for me, he was almost like a Bigfoot-like figure. You know, you saw pictures. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you saw pictures. You heard about him. Occasionally, you got a sighting somewhere. Like, oh, shit, there he is in WCCW. And then he's gone again. But um, over in Japan, I mean, he, this guy's been in video games officially and unofficially. You know, he was in, like, Legends of Wrestling but also knockoff versions of them were in Hammerlock Wrestling and uh, Pooh. There were, you know, characters called Abdullah. Um, I had to mark this one because I don't really watch Japanese cartoons or comics these days. I did in the past. And one of my favorites was this super gory, bloody one called Fist of the North Star, who had a character named Hart, who was Abdullah the Butcher, basically. Um, cool. So you saw him in that. Now, Bobby, I know PWI rankings don't do a whole lot for you, but I like to put them in just because... It gives you some perspective to a point in time, you know. Oh, I like them. Don't get me wrong. Oh, okay. I, I do like them. I, I just know it's kind of worth the work, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it just frustrates me because um, when I and I'm not going to go and rant here. I'm just saying it's because at any given time, someone sit down and said, "Let's do this," and, and put them that way. That's how they're feeling that day or whatever. Yeah. But I do think it's important for the boys to have those rankings. But more importantly, I think it's there for the fans. So yeah, I don't want to take anything away. I'm, I'm so thankful when my name first appeared in one and my picture appeared in top 500. Man, I was beside myself. So yeah, I might downplay it sometime, but no, I know how important it is for the fans, man. And I think deep down the boys as well. Yeah. Um, and don't, don't some of the readers or other people get a ballot and vote on some of these as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so in 1991, PWI had Abdullah the Butcher ranked number 35 of the 500 best singles wrestlers. That's pretty high on a list of that many people. I mean, that's pretty high. And they have him as number 54 of the PWI years that he, uh, they put him on there in 2003. Uh, he did hold the PWF championship, which was uh, the first title that Baba had in all Japan, I believe, uh, before he combined those into the Triple Crown. Um, he had one of these legendary ones that I, I kind of like to talk about. He was apparently NWF champion. Now, what was the NWF? Well, it was a semi-national wrestling company in the early 70s. Uh, some actual big name people had it. Johnny Powers was the first champion, but he won that title by beating Freddie Blassie for it. Um, eventually, as this f company was folded, Powers lost that title to Anoki, and Anoki would carry that belt for the next 10 years. It would be deactivated again in the early 2000s when Shinsuke Nakamura uh, stepped away from it. He, he turned it down or abdicated it. But it's just one of those weird titles, like like me being the AWA America's champion. It's like, yeah, here's this title from a defunct company. It's I'm I'm champion now. It's it always kind of strikes me as weird, um, you know. And like him showing up, this one always blows me away. You know, Bobby, if somebody dropped off a six foot tall uh, birthday present box, what would you do? Under these circumstances, <laughs> that some bitch probably stand there forever. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't open, open it. it. Yeah, I wouldn't open it, man. I'd just be standing there like, uh, I don't know. May I? Hell, down days, I might call the police to tell them to come and get it off my damn porch <laughs> or out my studio, man. You yeah. don't know what the hell's in that thing. No, I know so, what I'd like to be in it, but um, it don't have to be six foot tall either. But yeah. that's beside the point. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm not open it. That's the answer. That's that's kind of where I'm at. But Sting, yeah. Sting apparently had never been warned that occasionally <laughs> Abdullah the Butcher gets mailed to you. 
And yeah. uh, so for a, for a handful of people, and that was a weird time too, because I was in WCW's kind of like child friendly RoboCop era, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So to suddenly have Abdul the Butcher show up during that is just a weird time. Uh, for those who didn't see it, yeah, one time Sting is given a gift by Cactus Jack, I think. Yes. And it turned out to be Abdullah the Butcher in a in a uh, box wrapped with a bow. Um, but Abby was one of those guys, man. A lot of people who didn't even see him still knew who he was. Yeah, that's the main thing about this, I think, because like you said, uh, growing up, it's kind of like like a big, Bigfoot spotting. I, I like that, man, because you'd see him on a magazine. You'd see him on a, a program maybe here or there. But uh, like right here, what you said that, man, everyone knew who he was, man, even if you hadn't seen him. And you had a good idea what he looked like, you know. Uh, people described him, you know, he's just a wild man. He's cuts in his head. He's got these horn shoes, and he's uh, he's as round as he is tall, and he's meaner than hell. You yep. know, he's Abdul the Butcher. Eat raw chicken. He'll eat you. Yep. He'll get the hell out of his way when he comes to your town kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, that, that concludes our top ten, man. Uh, I hope everyone liked it. We've been getting some really good feedback on all of our podcasts lately, and we really appreciate that. Uh, like I said, I mean, you can hit me up on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744. Hit Jeremy up at um, the Geekish Cast, or hit that joint account up at Bell to Bell Blaze uh, on Twitter. That's the joint account. I see Jeremy put a couple of things on there uh, recently today, and I appreciate that. Um, and let us know your feedback, man. We love hearing from our fans. Uh, because I think a lot of our fans are a lot like us. I think we're into the same things. We've got some uh, really good shows lined up still in the future. We're still going. We got, um, oh, man, we talked we got, off the air last week. We got some really good stuff. Uh, we dropped a few hints today on some names, actually. But yeah. um, uh, I think you're, it's going to keep getting bigger and bigger and better and better, man. And uh, so please join in. Uh, please tell a friend, especially if you're an old school fan like we are. Um, we didn't even talk about anything going on in the world of wrestling today. You know, we we just went straight into like you know the old school Abbey, and and here we go. You know, so yep. I hope you like that. I know I enjoy doing them, Professor. Once again, thanks for organizing the notes. I just send in a glom of stuff because I get an idea. Oh yeah, uh, the Abbey stick or whatever it is, and I don't know where to put that in, but he puts it in there, so I got some kind of an outline to follow and and keep pace with uh, with the program. But uh, thanks for tuning in, man. I just want to tell everyone. Um, you know, like I always do, be kind to each other, be kind to yourself, man. And I hope you like this list. And uh, I want to say thank you to Professor for just uh, putting this together and doing the editing and, and producing it and, and getting it out there. And um, if all goes well to be out there Tuesday morning and share it and retweet it, man. Let's just keep building the audience up here because we know a lot of people out there that would really, really enjoy this podcast once they get exposed to it. Yeah, um, guys, we've been we've been putting a lot of research into this lately. Um, we you can see we're more dedicated to this than we were last year because we have not missed an episode yet since we've gotten back together. So this is something we're planning on doing. Just help us grow. You know, rate and review the show if you haven't yet. Tell a friend about it if they're into classic pro wrestling. You know, uh, share, retweet, whatever. Shoot it out on Facebook. Help us get the word out. We do appreciate it. Um, and just to sound like a corporate whore one more time, if you are thinking of getting a VPN, please check out Private Internet Access. You can get to it by going to tinyurl.com slash blazepia. Uh, it does help the show as well. So, Bobby, if you got nothing else to say, I'll start wrapping up. Wrap her up, brother. All right. Well, for Tex Johnson, myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and Bobby Blaze, Bye-bye, everybody.